Okay, welcome back to uh, part five in the series of, uh, <laughs> I say part five, but the number in the series is undetermined at this point. Um, it could be that we will continue it uh, after, we'll walk the Yontif and then we'll continue it maybe after Yontif, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, anyway, uh, welcome to part five, a prophetic vision in the 21st century, the message of Nevi'im Rishonim and the story of the book of Shoftim. This series will focus on how Shmuel Hanavi, the author of the Book of Shoftim, sent us many messages for our time. Uh, this entire series is dedicated to Zechanishmas, Rabbi Yachmiel, Ben Abraham Meir, uh, Neshama Shehav, and Aliyah. Okay, um, we were in the middle of Perak Gimel. Um, if you're in the art scroll, it's page 130. Okay, we, we spoke about the, the, the problems of the enemies. Uh, we spoke about Asniel Ben Kenaz a little bit last week. So I just want to just go through quickly. It's only really five sukkim about Asniel ben Kenaz. And I wanted to just tell you a little bit about Asniel ben Kenaz, who is an important figure. Um, the, uh, it's, I think I pointed this out, that when, 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 Jewish, when the Jewish people are in turmoil, um, then Torah is challenged. Torah study is challenged. Uh, production of Torah vis-a-vis Svarim being written, commentaries, and, and, and things like that is always being challenged. That's what happens when there's periods of turmoil. When there's periods of peace, we have the opposite occurring. Uh, we have a, a tremendous amount of Torah. We have uh, Svarim being written and, and things developing and, and yeshivas being built and, and so that's, that's a That's a clear characteristic of a time of the Jewish people that are, 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 are in somewhat level of peace. Of course, according to the Ramban says that we're never in, in peace completely until the base of English is rebuilt, until Mashiach comes. But, but we, meant, we mean relative tranquility. Um, in Jewish history, we talk about the golden age of Spain, uh, which produced the Rambam, and, and, and the Ramban himself was part of the golden age of Spain. Uh, you know, we talk about a lot of, we talk about the pre the Crusades, the communities of, Spires, Mayans, and Worms, which were never destroyed during the Crusades in the year 1096. But the great Torah centers, the Rabbeinu Gershom or Hagola, which was set up in those areas where Rashi himself had studied and had come over to, uh, uh, to France, back to France in the city of Troyes, where he, where he developed uh, his own yeshivas. Um, that's symbolic of, of, of this time. Now, what, what happens every once in a while is that, is that due to the the confusion of, of the times, uh, Torah gets forgotten. And, and we know that when Torah gets forgotten, that always leads to Mahomes, because some people know it and some people don't know it. And very often the people who don't know it think they know, and they argue on the people who really don't. And that's really, as I pointed this out many times, that is the central concept of the Book of Rus. The Book of Rus is built around a forgotten halacha. It's one of the reasons why Shmuel Hanovi uh, wrote the Rus is to is to remind us about the importance of, of, of listening to to Chachamim and, and the importance of Torah Shabbat Peh. That that if you don't study Torah Shabbat Peh properly, you're not going to keep the Torah properly. Now there were many halachas that were forgotten uh, during um, the during the period of the transitional period between the death of Yeshua and and the Shoftim. Asniya um, ben Kenaz, so we look at Pasuk Zion on page 130, Parakimel Pasuk Zion. Vayasu b'nei Yisrael es hara b'nei Hashem. 
that the Bnei Yisrael did what was bad in the eyes of Hashem, Hashem and they forgot uh, their their connection to Kodesh Baruch and they served the two classic uh, um, idol worships. They ser- they served uh, they served um, the the Baal and they served the Asheros. Hashem and Hashem was angry. and he sold them out. So so the king of Aram oppressed the Jewish people for a period of of eight years. By Yisrael B'nai Yisrael, Hashem, so finally B'nai Yisrael did tshuva. By Yakem Hashem Moshe'el L'bnei Yisrael, by Yoshiyem Es Asniel Ben Kenaz Achik Kalev HaKotamimeno. So we were introduced earlier in the Sefer to the man called Asniel Ben Kenaz. He was the half-brother of Kalev Ben Yifunin. And, and he was actually married to Kalev's daughter after the battle of, of Kiryas Sefer. Now, now what's very interesting here, and, and I want you to remember this because in a few minutes when we talk about Ehud ben Gera, the lefty, um, when we talk about um, Ehud ben, ben Gera, um, we're going to see this phrase does not appear, and, and it's a significant phrase. It says that the, the spirit of Hashem rested upon, the, uh, upon him. And he judged B'nai Yisrael. So what, what is so what exactly does that mean that the spirit of Hashem rested upon him? So so push it it means that that and and the and the and the Masudas points out his orus lishpo that it's it's a duality. When the spirit of Hashem rests on a shofate, it means that that they their wisdom has been aroused to judge the people. Now, when we say judge the people, we don't mean in a courtroom. We mean to lead the people towards a closer connection to our Kodesh Baruch Hu, To tell the people, listen, this is what I see. This is what's happening. This is the change that we have to make in order to come back to, in order to come back to, to Hashem. And, and, and then the Mesuda continues. And also the Amitz Levav Lehilachet. So the Ruach Hashem here accomplishes two things. It, it, it creates the leadership role in terms of the Shofei being able to tell the people how to live their lives better. And the second is it creates courage, right? It's the, it's the heart in the, from, from the Wizard of Oz that, that was given to the, to the lion, right? It's the, the courage uh, from, that's given to the lion, right? Uh, was it the lion or the, or the, or the lion? Yeah, why? Well, I was given the courage, uh, and, and and it's the same idea that 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 the ruach Hashem, so to speak, was lit a fire inside the shofate. In this case, Asniel ben Kenaz, and and he would go out to battle without even thinking, like no no hesitation. Like this is this is what I have to do, and, and this is it. Um, in the you know, it, it's it, it's very it's very interesting. Um, there's a. Um, they made a movie about uh, the life of Golda Meir. It was, called, it was with Ingrid Bergman. You might have seen it. A woman called Golda. Anyway, there's a great scene in that movie. Uh, somewhere around in 1948, uh, somewhere in 1948, where she comes to Chicago and she meets with a, an entire auditorium of very wealthy Jews, and the, and the purpose was to raise money for arms. And and you know she and, you know she stands there and she says. She says to him, whether or not we'll have a state, that's not up to you. That's already been decided. 
whether it will survive, that's up to you. And, and, and you know, it's a very powerful speech. And, you know, of course, everybody stands up and applauds and then gives her about $50 million. So, and they were able to buy uh, weapons for, and Ben-Gurion was able to get weapons. Interestingly, little known fact, you know who supplied the weapons in 48? No, that was 67. Uh, Russia, Russia, Czechoslovakia. They bought because all of the all of the left. Remember, in 1945 to 48, the world was a, a market for for arms because all the arms that were created for World War II. So the uh, so the Czechoslovakians, the, the Russians allowed the Czechoslovakian companies to sell. Yeah, the AK-47s and and, and all, uh, uh, France was in 67. The, the Messerschmitt planes allowed the Germans. Um, the the no, the Mirage. Thank you. Uh, the Mirage, yeah, that was later. Uh, and, and you know, the, the Israelis didn't just take the Mirage, they changed the Mirage. They they took it and they updated it to make it more uh, usable for them. But yes, the Mirage was was from France. But that was later. That wasn't, I think that was in 57. Um, and, so, and after that, uh, what's his name? Charles de Gaulle changed his view on on, uh, on Israel. But anyway, the, the, anyway, so the, the point the point is is that is that is that is that as leaders you have to have, you, you know you know if you think about it if you think about what happened in 1948 and this is really the story here and this is why I bring this out it is they 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 knew the odds were impossible but they did it anyway because because they believed that they were on a mission um, and, and and listen I I can't say that definitely but yes I can. It was Yad Hashem in the story. Akadosh Baruch said it's time for the Jews to return to Eretz Yisrael and be in charge. And and, and the people were forget. I mean, if if you think about it, that the, the, the Israeli army had chutzpah. <laughs> they were going up against five Arab countries. It was an impossible odds, and they had chutzpah. But 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 they didn't think twice because they understood it was a survival. They had to survive, and the only way they were going to survive is, is, is that if we have a state. And and. So, but to hear Allah Ruh Hashem, the Masudas Prophet explains that Asniel ben Kanaz knew the odds, but but that koach that Hashem gave him said, "We're going to go and we're going to win anyway, despite the odds." And and, and that's a repeating theme throughout Jewish history. The story, the story of Hanukkah, the Rabdim Biad Naatim, is a not unique to Hanukkah. It's a repeating story all throughout Jewish history. It started in the period of the Shoftim. It started in the time of Yeshua, even further back. It it, it just was though it started it, really on a certain level. It started with Avram. When Avram went out and fought the, the battle of the four and the five kings. With uh, if you take the Pasuk literally, with three hundred and eighteen people. If you take the Medrash, with just Eliezer. Um, it's it's an old story, and we're going to see Gidon in a couple of weeks. Uh, it, it, it's just the story, and that that was us, Neil Ben Kanaz. He, he he was he was invigorated with that Jewish chutzpah that Hakadosh Baruch gave through the Ruach Hashem to go and fight the war. And there was strength. It wasn't just a victory. There was strength in the victory. And that's what happened in '48. That's what happened in '56. That's what happened in '67. And yes, it did happen in '73 to '74. But a lot more than every year. But in the but in, but in the end, in the end, even in the Yom Kippur War, despite the great cost of the war, um, there was that Batazia that we we pushed them back and where where they belonged and, and out of out of Israel. Anyway, Now now the other side of the story is that Asniel Ben Kenaz restored Torah to the Jewish. So it was a double. It was a double role. He was the he was the great general, but he was the great 
he was the great uh, uh, Torah scholar, the leader of the generation, which we're going to see was not true uh, when it comes to Ehud ben, ben Gera. Um, it's very interesting. Um, um, you, you know, in Eretz Yisrael today, to, today they, you know, they have this uh, in the army, they have what's called Nachal Haredi. Uh, there's a different name for it, but essentially it's Nachal Haredi, where, where, where Haredi Jew, Jews who want to be in the Israeli army uh, can go to a specific unit where it's only from people. There's no women, it's only from people. So I, so I was listening to a, uh, what's called the Chayal Bodet. Chayal Bodet is a, an American who wants to join the, like, uh, someone goes to Eretzola, like me, and wants to join uh, the Israeli army. Uh, so they're called the Chayal Bodet. So anyway, so, 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 so the kid, I mean, <laughs> 23 years old, uh, he came and he spoke. And, and, and so I, I asked him, I said, why did you specifically want to join Chayal Bodet, uh, the, the Nachal Haredi? So he said, because the two things that he wanted to be as part of the army, because he saw this as part of the vision of the Jewish army. He says when he woke up in the morning, before the army kicked into the responsibilities, he wanted to dive and feel of the tzibur. He wanted to dive with the minion. That, that, that there should be people that, like him, want to want to come to wherever the, whatever they're using as the shul, and they should have a minion every day, three times a day, or whatever. Uh, and the second thing was, he said he wanted, he says that when the, when, the, when the day's responsibilities are over, that there should be a night seder, that there should be a place for Lima the Torah. And he says, he says that, was the, that was what he wanted out of, out of the Israeli army. He didn't just want it to serve as a nationalistic idea. He wanted to serve in the Israeli army as a from, a concept, that we believe as, as religious Zionists that this is the way to do it. And this is the way to make Eretz Yisrael the place that Eretz Yisrael needs to be. And, and that's the duality of Asniel ben Kenaz. On the one hand, he was the, he was the shofet. He was his ororus chokhmah. He was, he, that, that means chokhmah satorah. He, he, he was aroused with wisdom of the Torah. And, and he was able to lead the Jewish people back to, to, to that idea. And then the second thing was to have the, the strength to, as a defender uh, of the Jewish people. Listen, there's no greater picture. Uh, I mean, to me, I, I get emotional I, every time I say, there's no greater picture when you see a Chayal at the hotel with, with the gun on his back and the tillin on his head. Uh, what, what could be a more beautiful picture than that? Nothing. Or, or uh, the Tzukis and holding a Chayal with the Ulu and the Esser or, or whatever, you know, whatever it is. There's no, there's, there's no greater picture. And that was the embodiment of Asneel Ben Kenaz. He was both for that. He, he, he had, the, he had the, the army uniform on and he had the talisman filling on top of the army uniform. And, and, and on the other hand, he had a safer. And, and, and that's, 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 that's what I think the story of Asneel Kinnan tells us. It, it tells us about how, how Jewish people and the Jewish army is supposed to be. You know, you know um, if you've seen the movie um, Operation Thunderbolt, right? Who has not seen that movie? Come on. Uh, uh, anyway. So what the, the greatest scene, right? They're, they're about to board the plane and it's Shabbos, right? They're going, the, the mission takes off on Shabbos, right? So what, what are the soldiers doing to the side? Tali Musa. You're hearing them saying, it's the most gishmakest thing you could ever see. That they board the plane to go uh, save the Jews. And, uh, you know, they, they, go, they go and they're davening on the side. And then, and then the great speech in that movie. You know that that Yoram Gaon played Tony Netanyahu. So so he says he says these people that we're going to save are are, are our brothers, 
and he says, if we don't save them, nobody else is going to save them. And then, and then, you know, and that they board the plane and they go and they create the incredible. But that's the idea. That's Asniel Ben Kanaz. The Chokma, uh, the, the Talis, the Trillin, the Lulav, the Sefer in one hand and the sword in the other hand. And, 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 and they're not a contradiction. Not only are they not a contradiction, they're a complement of each other. And, they ha- and that's the only way. It, it's, the, it's the only way. And you know what? Even Ben-Gurion understood that. Ben-Gurion understood that if it's, and he said, if it's not going to be a Jewish state, it's not going to work. And he understood that too, despite all his crazy. <laughs> they were plenty crazy. Anyway, so, all right. Now let's talk about, the, let's talk about, so we, <laughs> now if you're a baseball fan, in the next story, you'd say it's a benefit. We're going to talk about a left. Baseball, in baseball, we want left-handed pitchers. That's a, that's a commodity. Especially a left-hander coming out of the bullpen. Oh, boy. That's a, that's a commodity. But uh, but reality is a majority of the world are righties. And, and a lefty is rare. In fact, a, a lefty is a, um, is a puzzle kahuna. Uh, you can't do a vodo in the English if you're a lefty. Uh, and I'm not sure how that works. They determine that, or what if he's both ambidextrous? Uh, I'm not sure. Stop it out. But but anyway, it's not considered the norm. In this story, it's going to be it's going to be a tremendous um, it's going to be a tremendous asset to the story that 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 uh, that Benguera is a is a um, lefty. Okay, so I want to tell you the story, and then I want to I want to share with you some insight into the story. Uh, what I think I have, um, I picked up this week. Uh, I recommend anyone who wants to get it on Amazon, um, an excellent book uh, Rabbi Stephen Krasansky, who who now lives in Eretz Israel, was involved for many years in uh, Teaneck, New Jersey. Wrote a book on Sefer Shoftim. Um, it's a fascinating book. Uh, I, I, I was I read it a little bit in preparation for this year. He makes some fascinating insights into the story. So we'll, I'll share some of that um, as we go by. First, we get based. Now. Um, as we see, the theme in this book is that the death of the Shofet, the death of the leader, never leads to anything good. Right? Like, like, it's almost like we needed them to live forever. And of course, that, that's not you know, reality. Right? The death of the Shofet, the switch goes off. Right? Whatever, whatever the Shofet accomplished, goes away. Becomes a memory. Becomes a, 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 a distant memory. And, and you know, distant memories eventually fade. So, so what happens? Now, interesting. It doesn't say that Eglon came upon the Jewish people. It says Hashem strengthened them. But Sudat David points out that he was a weak king. He wasn't such a powerful person. Says that, that Hashem strengthened him because of the evil that that uh, was was done uh, to to the Jewish people. Now, now, I'm sorry, he strengthened him because of the evil that the Jewish people were doing, the bad things that the Bnei So Hashem strengthens him. He, and the pasuk says that Ki al ki asu es hara Hashem Okay, so we have three nations. That are that, that have a historical connection to us. Moab, Ammon, and Amalek. Okay, unbelievable what's going on. It, it, it's, it's so much coming together here. 
So who's Ammon and Moab? Ammon and Moab are descendants of Lot, right? So, so although they were born through promiscuity, but but the intentions of Lot's daughters were really not bad, if you think about it. Because in their view, the world was destroyed, and they were the only people left. So when they were in the cave, they felt that that they had a responsibility of repopulating the face, uh, the, the the species, uh, repopulating the earth. And so they got Lot drunk, and, and from that came Ammon and Moab. So, now Lot, Lot, uh, although was a dubious figure in, in our history, but Lot, however, went along with a lot of good things. When Abram went to Mitzrayim and said Sarah was his sister, so Lot remained quiet and went along with the story. So Lot was protected. Ammon and Moab, Ammon and Moab. Uh, now we're going to see, we're going to see uh, um, in a few weeks. Uh, in the story of Yiftah, where Ammon, the king of Ammon, complains that the Bnei Israel, um, the Bnei Israel had, the Bnei Israel had taken, had taken their land, and and their land was not, and it wasn't true because Ammon and Moab we weren't allowed to take their land. So so you're just thinking how, how that happened. That, yeah, we always took we always took everybody's land. Everybody, every, everybody had had stake in Eretz Israel, but nobody lived there. <laughs> For eight hundred years, nobody lived there. All of a sudden, everybody owned land. That's unbelievable. Anyway, so we have told out what's the significance of Moab in this story? Uh, Eglon, the king of Moab, uh, and and Amalek is of course here. Amalek is always the symbol. Of Amalek is always the symbol of Rafu Yedehem in Atmina Torah. Amalek is always the symbol of weakness of Torah. If, if, if there's a lack of observance of the Torah, then, then Amalek comes. Uh, Rashi points out uh, so there's two places. It says, Amalek, Israel It says that Amalek came and they, they fought with them in a place called Rafidim. So Rafidim is a famous abbreviation, Rafu Yedehem in Torah. But they weakened their hands from Torah, and that's an Amalek came. The other interesting connection is Rashi points out in Parsha's um, Kiseitse that the story of, uh, of the, myth, the mitzvah of remembering Amalek, which is Parsha's Zohar, comes after the, the Torah warns us about not, about not cheating on, on measures and scales. And, and, and again, the idea is that if we become corrupt, if, if we're corrupt in our ways, then, then Amalek comes upon us. But here, here clearly, uh, Amalek um, pop, pops its evil head at a time that the Jewish people are are not doing what they are supposed to. And then they come to the city of Tamarim. Rashi says that here Tamarim is Yericho. What's Yericho? Yericho is the first city that Bnei Israel captured to um, at uh, in the time of Yoshua. So, in other words, the lack of connection to Hashem, the undoing of the promise to serve Hashem, undoes the, the, the deep connection to Eretz Yisrael. So we're going to talk more about that. And anyway, let's, let's see the story, and then I'm going to share more, more insight with you into this. So here, listen to the story, the amazing story in itself. There are 18 vertebrae, I think. And, and when we bow, uh, when we bow to the idols, there was there was eighteen, there's eighteen, the eighteen vertebrae pop out of your of your spine, uh, and that's the eighteen years that we were subject to Eglon. It's a midah keneged midah 
that 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 for using our vertebrae for the wrong reasons, we the, the eighteen vertebrae for the wrong reasons. Right? It's also Gemara and Brachos. The the, the Brachos and Shmonesrik can make a Chulio Shabbesedra. Right? It's the 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 vertebrae the, the vertebrae in in our back is the why we have a, one of the reasons why we have eighteen Brachos and Shmonesrik. We have nineteen Brachos and Shmonesrik, but the nineteenth Brachos can't believe. Um, but originally there were 18 brachos. So that, anyway, that's the, yeah, that's the midah, connected midah, that it was 18 years. The tragic part of the 18 years is that it took them 18 years to do tshuva. For 18 years, they accepted, they accepted that they were being persecuted, and they didn't have the humility to say, why are we, they don't, nobody asked the question, oh, why is this happening to us? 18 years it took, that is a long time. The claim overran us for 18 years. A long time. Nobody asked the question, and that's again that, that reflects on the generation that that they just, they just didn't have it together. By so finally, by Yisakub and Israel Hashem, by Yakam Hashem Moshias Ehud Ben Gera Ben Hayimini Ish Iter Yadimino. Okay, here he is. He's the the, the left of here. Uh, now, now, very important. He's from Shevet Binyamin. So, so Shevet Binyamin is an important Shevet. The Shevet Binyamin is the guardian of kedusha. Why are they the guardian of Kedusha? Because the, in the base of Migdash, uh, which, which according to most opinions, uh, there, there is an opinion in the Gemara that it's not, that's not given to anybody. But the, the general uh, accepted opinion is that, that the base of Migdash is, is a line, is a virtual line in, in the center of the base of Migdash. One side is Shevet Yehuda, and the other side is Shevet Binyamin. But the side of the Kodesh HaKodeshim is Binyamin. Why? Because it says in the Pasuk that Binyamin is like he's concerned about it at, at all times. Uh, Binyamin has special Kedusha because he didn't think, Binyamin never bowed to Esau. He wasn't born. He wasn't born yet. Uh, and the second thing is he's the only one of Yaakov's children to be born in Eretz Yisrael. All the, all the other 11 were born in, uh, in Aram Narayim by Lavan, but, but but Binyamin is born, you know, in Beis Lechem when Rachel dies in Eretz Yisrael. So, so there's special. So it's not. So Aroy Przanski points out in his book that it's not just. Just by the way, Ehud Ben Gera was from Binyamin. There's a significance to him being from Binyamin in this story, and we'll, we'll explore it a little more. Now, very interesting. So Ehud Ben Gera devises, devises a plan. The plan was that, that if I go and I attack the king, and I can somehow assassinate the king, right? That somehow that will, that will create fear among the, the Moabites, and that will allow us to go and to defeat the enemy. Another reasonable plan. Uh, we, see that, we see that in other people. We'll see that next week when we talk about Sisera. Same idea that that if he flees, if the if the head of the army uh, flees, uh, then then everything falls apart. Not, 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 not a crazy idea, right? And um, in uh, you know '67, they destroyed the air force. Uh, that was it. <laughs> what were they going to do? They couldn't couldn't they couldn't win. It was not a they, it was a fight that they couldn't win. Um, so anyway, so he comes up with this plan. Uh, so he's going to go and he's going to bring a gift to the king of Moab. Okay? Now, 
Um, now he makes a sword that has a, a double-edged sword. There's two two edges on it, right? Uh, now here's the importance, uh, uh, practical importance of him being a lefty. Now, now when you draw a sword, how do you draw a sword? Cross your body, right? You don't you don't you can't keep it here. That's uh, you, you cut yourself. The sword is here. If I'm a righty, I keep the sword here on the, on the left side, and I draw it like this, right? Now. Because because lefties apparently were so rare in, in that generation, when he goes to the palace and he has the sword on his right side, nobody checks uh, under his garment. He's, no, it's, it's it's his ticket in to the palace with a weapon because nobody's going to check. They must they probably looked they probably felt him on on the on the left side. Uh, they pat him down. Oh, okay, good, yeah, all good, right? If they even do that at all. Okay, now. Um, so, so that's that's important. Now we're going to talk about what it means to be to be left-handed. Also, we're going to talk about that also uh, soon. Uh, now, so by Yakrevis Amenchol Reglon Melach Moav Reglon Ishbarima Ot. Okay, the first place in the in the Novi where the, where they, where the Novi tells us you have to go on a diet. Okay. Um, anyway, Eglon was a uh, very uh, fat man, right? Not good to be fat. Even though, even though even though the Navi uses the word bari, which means healthy, but it means uh gazint. <laughs> he looked like a gazint immense, right? A lot of cholam. Vayhi kasher kila lahakrivas amincha, vayishalaga saam no se amincha. Oh, so see, see, here's how this goes down. He brings them a gift, and then they go away. Vehu shab min absilim asher al gila vayemad vasez liyelagamel vayemah has vayitzu elav kom dimla. Here's his plan. It's a brilliantly constructed plan. He goes and he gives a gift to the king. But there was more. He was, he was on an assassination mission. But what does he do? He brings the gift to the king, and then he leaves. So the Mepharshim points out, why does he do that? Why, why didn't he kill him right away? Because he didn't want to arouse any suspicion. So was, I'm here, we're here with my lord, the king. We want to give you honor, and here we bring you a gift. He brings him a gift, and then he leaves. And, and, and it's all good. And then all of a sudden he comes back and he says, wait a second, I'm sorry, I forgot. My lord, the king, I had, I had a private matter that we needed to discuss with you. Now, now it, it seems to me uh, from this story that Ehud ben Gera was recognized as the, as the head of the Jewish people. Otherwise, how did he get this audience with the king? So it's not unreasonable that if he was the head of the Jewish people, he gets this audience with, with the king. So he comes back and he says, I have to speak to you privately. Now, what he has done, and as Mephorshim points this out, he's established trust. Because before he came and he brought a nice gift. Yeah, the, uh, uh, that's right. And the king, and because he established that trust, King lets his, uh, his, his guard down. And he says, you know, when he says, I have a private matter, us, right? They knew about Hippo laws. Like that, that, that Ahud was. <laughs> Is gonna speak to the gate. Wait, did we create a hippo boss? Uh, everyone created a hippo boss. Uh, we're gonna speak to him uh, quietly. And, and he came and apparently he sat in the upper chamber, apparently it was cooler there, right? Now, here's the most important pasuk in this whole thing. Um, um, and Ehud said, I have the word of God that I need to speak with you. What does Eglon do? He gets up from the chair. 
In other words, he hears he hears that 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 Ehud is coming to to with the word of Hashem, with, with God's word, and and out of respect, stands up. That is a significant significant event. It's also uh, so so Rashi already jumps on that and says because he stood up, so Rus and Orpah came. Were, so it's a machlokas apparently if if Rus was his daughter or his granddaughter, the machlokas. But whatever he was, he, she she was in his line, in his line of uh, descent. Um, but but it, it's it now 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 this is a little bit um, reminiscent of the story of Yonah. So 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 what's the story of Yonah? What was bothering Yonah? Right, we're coming up to Yom Kippur, right? We should know a little bit about Yonah. What was bothering Yonah? What bothered Yonah was that when when Hakadosh Baruch said go to Nineveh and tell him that if you don't do tshuva, uh, the city is going to be destroyed in forty days. So Yonah, so Yonah was afraid because you know they were they were non-Jewish, a non-Jewish city. Yonah was afraid that that he's going to go there and they're going to listen to him and they'll do tshuva uh, and they'll obviate the gezera against them. And then Yonah will say, "But how does that look at it for us? Uh, how many times have we told the, the Jewish people to do tshuva and they don't listen? So it looks terrible. And he don't want to go. He don't want to go. He said, uh, I can't go. And because he had to go and." and and then he has this whole conflict with Kodesh Barohu. He says, Kodesh Barohu is a Galach of I know how you operate. You're going to have compassion. And, and I, I'm not sure why he was so upset about that, because thank God he has compassion. But uh, anyways, it, it, it's a fascinating concept. And it's the same story here. Eglon gets up because he hears that Deyehu is about to tell him something from a Kodesh Barohu. The Jewish people are worshiping idols. So it's a, it's a, it, it's, it's you know Shmuel Hanavi really is you know it's a, it's, a, it's a really it's a tremendous knock against the Jewish people and that's and that's and that's the point here is that, is that he says look at you know look at uh, look at the Goyim our show respect for Hashem what are we doing nothing you know it's it's, it's a scary idea you know you know one of one of the comments that that's made in the, some of the notes on the on the you know we say a kina for the Crusades on Tisha B'Av we came to you know the Jewish communities that were wiped out. What was the Crusades? The Christians and the Arabs were fighting over over Israel. What are we doing? Nothing. It's a, it's a problem. So yeah, that's one of the comments that's made in some of the notes on the on the keynotes uh, on the keynote. Me attain Roshi Mayim. By Yaakov Mealakisa, Eglon, this guy, this guy, this fat guy, gets up and says, "I'm, a, I'm about to hear the word of God." And he does, and the first thing point out, I was, I was just, I just saw this. It doesn't mean he was such a he wasn't a You know, he wasn't a tzaddik. But he had a sense of reverence. Where when 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 e- when e- Ehud comes and says, I- "I'm going to tell you what God has to say," he had a sense of reverence. And and, and uh, you know, and, and and we have to have that sense of reverence. If you want to, if you if you want to have a a, a Rosh Chodesh Elul message, that's the Rosh Chodesh Elul message. Like humble yourself and stand up for the word of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Learn a learn an extra Mishnah. Make sure you daven with the minion if possible, unless you're concerned about going out. Or make sure you're davening three times a day. Now, you know, very important. Um, even if you're not going to show for, of course, so you're concerned about the uh, pandemic. But, but, but you know, Kovei Matora. You know, I, I spoke yesterday in Shul about the idea of Hayom. Seize today. Today is the day that you have to do what you're supposed to. Right, very important. 
um, I, 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 Rory Prozansky brings down that there may be the minhog of standing for Kaddish and Kedusha and Borhu comes from this story because it says the Eglon stood to hear Devar Hashem. So when we're when we sanctify God's name by either saying Borhu, but Borhu is Hashem Hamivora, blesses Hashem, right? Or we say Nekadesh Hashem Olam, or we say Yiskadash, where we, we magnify and glorify. Maybe that, that, that so, so the Minog in Ashkenaz everywhere. Uh, Sparta might have different Minog, but, uh, but Ashkenaz is supposed to stand. Anyone who doesn't, it's simply out of laziness. It's not because of halachic reasons. You don't stand for Kaddish, you're just being lazy. The halacha is you have to stand for Kaddish, you have to stand for Barakul. Um, even, you know, even some people say, that's a machlokas. When you bench and you have a minion, right? So, so we know that when we bench and we have a minion, we add in Elokeinu. Nevarach Elokeinu, Shachal Mishalel. So, so you, if you go to a lot of places, you'll see when they say, Nevarach Elokeinu, Shachal Mishalel. People will actually stand up a little bit out of their seat. Again, that's the idea that when we, that when we sanctify our Kodesh Baruch Hu's name, it's, it's, it, we're supposed to stand. And, and, and so when Eglon heard, that, that, that Ehud is going to tell him that Barasham he stands up, and it could be that that's, the, that, that, that's where the minig of, of, of standing for Kaddish and Barakul uh, comes, comes from. Eglon demonstrated a spiritual understanding that was devoid among the Jewish world. He stood, but they sat. Now, Ehud, who's from Shevet Binyamin, Comes Koshevet Binyamin is the protect is the protector of of kedusha in Am Yisrael. Um, uh, Binyamin is the one who ultimately takes charge of the Kodesh Hakadoshim of the Holy of Holies, and 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 they're responsible for restoring the faith of the Jewish people to its highest point. Uh, even though ultimately that comes together with David and then Shlomo, and uh, I understand that, but but Binyamin becomes the protectorate of the holiest place on earth. So, so Kodesh Baruch Hu sends a descendant of Binyamin because ultimately Binyamin represents that idea of how we have to reconnect through Kedusha. It's not just enough to do a mitzvah, it's not just enough to daven. There has to be a sense of Kedusha in your existence. Uh, and that was the void. Eglon taught us that he understood that there is Kedusha in the world. Whether or not he believed in it is, is not relevant. But, but, but when Eglon comes to him and he says, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you God's word, Eglon stands up. And, and Binyamin has to, teaches us, because Binyamin is called Faith, Love, Kol Hayom, that, that we have to stand up to hear the Devar Hashem. Um, now, Moab represents Nus. The end of Parshas Bolak, it, it's Moab that leads the Jewish people to promiscuity, the sin of Baal Peor. Um, but, 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 Ehud's role, despite that, is to bring out the good. That even though Moab represented a, a bad thing, but, the, but, but they weren't completely evil, like Amalek. Amalek was totally evil. But Moab, there was good things, and Eglon represented the good, and Ehud has to bring that out. Why does he have to bring that out? Because it's a lesson for the Jewish people. Because now Ehud has to go back and say, look, the king of Moab stood up for Hashem's word. Now you have to do the same. Like you, have to, you have to internalize um, that message. So Ehud's role was to, was to extract the good from Eglon uh, 
Now, left hand represents natural means, and right hand represents a miraculous. Orech yamin v'yamina osher right? We say, we say that the right is always strength. The right represents, uh, uh, you know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's rule in the world. You know, Yad Chazaka, we call that the strong hand, right? So we mean the, the right hand. It always means the right hand. The Yeshua comes through the right hand. Ehud teaches us that sometimes it comes from the left hand too. Sometimes it's not always, it's not always open and blatant. Sometimes it's not. It's not Moshe standing with his hands held up in the sky and then we're victorious over Amalek. Sometimes we have to use the left hand. Sometimes we have to come around this way to, to get to the point that we have to arrive at. So Ehud, Ehud teaches us that, that, that as well. That, that, or sometimes you have to have the right side and the left side. It starts on the left side. It starts, it starts without the Yeshua being clear, but it ends up, uh, but it ends up on the right side. You, you end up, you go from left to right. You eventually reach the right side through, through the left side. And, and, and that, that's also a message of sometimes. Sometimes it's not always straight up because Baruch Hu sends us. Sometimes we have to search it out and, and, come, and come around the circle um, um, that way. The double-edged sword represents to be a warrior and to be an Osek Torah. Although Ehud was not as great as Asmiel ben Kenaz, but Ehud's message to the Jewish people was to return to Torah study, to try to come back to the greatness of Asmiel ben Kenaz and his generation. Um, and, and even though he wasn't on that level, but he understood that level. It's the two edges of the sword. On the one hand, we have to fight off the enemy. And sometimes the enemy is not only literally the physical enemy, sometimes it's the spiritual enemy. It's the Yetzirah. With one hand, you got to fight off the Yetzirah. But, what, but what's the greatest way to fight off the Yetzirah? With the other hand, being Oseik for Torah, Oseik for Mitzvah, serving a Kaddish Baruch Because remember, once you establish, and we know, we know the Yetzirah's tricks with us. Once you establish that you are emphatic about doing something, it doesn't bother you. It doesn't bother you. Not, like he's not going to tell you to eat trick. Yitzhak is not coming and tell you to eat trick. You're not going to eat trick. He knows it. He's not going to bother you about that. He's going to he's going to find things that you're not so strong in. And once you come once you come full full strength, then he's going to uh, then he's then you defeat him. So it's it's a it's a war it's a war against the physical enemy and it's a war against the spiritual enemy. And and, and that was that that was Moab. Which was, which was the physical enemy that they brought physical sin upon us. Uh, and Amalek, which we, which we described before, was the spiritual enemy. And, and, and Ehud's two-edged two sword represent the fight against both of those and the victory uh, over, over both of those. And, 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 the 80 year, and the 80 years represented that very idea that, 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 so, that, that so much the people were inspired by that, that, that that it's the longest period of time in Sefer Shoftim that is peaceful. The eight, uh, so we know that before I should say the 80 years includes the, the 18 years, so it's really uh, uh, 62 years. But it's the longest period of time in the Sefer that it's quiet because, because that double message of, of the physical and the spiritual and, and, and bringing them together is accomplished by, by Ehud ben Gera and he's able to rally the people um, um, and, and to demonstrate to them their flaws and, and explain to them how they have to fix, fix their ways. So I just wrote a note to myself at the end. A reminds us that like us, that, that life is a roller coaster, it ups and downs. And sometimes to reach 
the goal, we have to be creative and we have to be on our game. Ehud was creative. It wasn't a conventional way of fighting off the enemy. He went in, he left, he came back, he told them he has to speak to them privately. He then ran off and hid for a while, and then he brought the army. It was not, it was, there were many steps in the story, there were many steps in the process. And sometimes we have to be creative to fight off the, the, the Yitzhahara. You know, you know, uh, um, you know, I don't, I always talk about this, but I don't mean to, to pressure it in that way. But when we talk about Dafyomi, now, now, but Dafyomi really means any kind of daily learning, right? You don't have to learn the Daf Kamara every day. If it, Rabbi Fran said at the Siamashash, learn something every day. Like, every day. And what, what, ha what happens is that when you establish that from 9 to 9.30, yeah, you might have a wedding one night and you might have a bar mitzvah another time. But, but if you establish, but well, if you establish that there has to be learning every day, and if you're learning, let's say, uh, Sefer Tanakh, and you learn a parak every day. So Tuesday I had a wedding and I didn't learn the parak. Well, you make sure on Wednesday you do super. Uh, and, and you maintain that rhythm and you maintain, you know, you know, you, you know, when, when the world is learning Davyoma, you like, you feel like, like, well, I can't fall behind. I got Got to be there. Uh, uh, Tuesday, Tuesday is Dafeza, Masechus, everything. We buy, we got Omer Baruch Hashem. We're there. We make a see him tomorrow night. Um, uh, you, you know, we'll be, we're, we're there. And we have one block left. We have tomorrow's Daf. Uh, but I'm saying, but whatever it is, whatever your, whatever your goals are in life, if you set them into stone, they happen, and and they become part of you. And then, and then as life goes forward, you don't see any other way. You see that that somehow I have to figure out. How, how to make how to make this happen? Uh, you know, uh, you know there were plenty of times. You know, you, you know even even I go on vacation, so I record it, and, and here we we got we got to make it happen. You know, and and and, and that's very important. We have to be creative, uh, and and you know we come to Chodesh Elul in a week and a half from now. We have to ask ourselves how, how do we create this double edge where where we're going to combine the physical and the spiritual world. Um, in, in, in our lives, and, and make it and make it a serious uh, drive in, in our lives. And that was the message of Ehu. We have to be creative, and we have to be on our game. Search out Hashem, but sometimes, but sometimes you have to take the first step. Sometimes you have to come up with a plan, and you have to put you have to put a plan into place. Look how much effort she was are doing right now to get the school year started. I mean, if you if you just kind of you just kind of put that into a personal plan, right? If, if they're spending all this time and people are working hours, technology departments and, and all of this to get the school year going, however it's going to happen, I'm still not sure. But um, if you think about all of that and if you could just individualize it and say, okay, what's my plan for the year? What, what a, you know, um, there's a plastic we just read yesterday. It says, it says, It says from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. But how come, how come the Pasuk says the beginning of the year, Hashanah, and at the end it just says end of year? It doesn't say the year. Well, what happened to the head? So the famous boy from the Saparevi. Saparevi says that, that we start the year, right? right? right the, busy, the busiest time in the gym is, is January 2nd to January 30th, right? right? But, but come February 15th, it's not so busy anymore, right? So we start, we start, we start the year, and we're, we say we're going <laughs> to do it. And then what happens? You don't do it. So it becomes, starts off as the year, and it ends up just being another year. So that's not the goal. That's not the goal. 
That's not a goal. I always tell people who come to, you know, who start learning daf yomi. And I, I, I always try to try to say, I said, listen, you're gonna do daf, okay? You're gonna fall behind. Let's say it happens, you fall behind. So what? Don't fool you fall behind. Forget about it. Hayom, what's today's daf? You gotta ask yourself, what's today's goal? What's today's daf? Okay, you didn't learn yesterday's daf. Forget about yesterday's daf. But don't don't let it don't let it go to waste. Don't let it fall away. Start today new and continue going forward. And, and, and that's the story of life. That, that, that whatever goals are, you know, not every day does it go the way we want it. And, and, and when we sit at night and we say Kriya Shema, we're supposed to ask ourselves the question, what did I miss today? And what did I accomplish today? It's not supposed to be negative, it's supposed to be positive. You know, what did I accomplish today? What did I do today? I learned today, I came to a shir, I came to a novi shir, I, I came to davening, I, I put on, put on tvil, whatever, whatever. I, I gave sadaka, whatever, whatever it is. And Ayyad Ben Gaira teaches us that sometimes we have to be creative. It's not always you take the army and you attack and you win. It doesn't always work that way. Sometimes you got to go around the city, you got to go around the back door, you got to come in, you have to be creative. That's the message of the story of Ayyad Ben Gaira. You have to use the left hand sometimes, the weaker hand. Sometimes the left hand is the hand that's the most significant hand. And the, and the left hand eventually becomes the right hand because the left hand begins the process and, and it pushes and it forces me now to, to, to come in with my right hand as well, both hands together, and, and, and I could accomplish a great goal. So that's the story of Ehud ben Gera. That's the story, that's the message that Shemuel Hanoi, I think, is trying to tell us. Uh, Mr. Shem will get a, a talk next week about a great woman. Her name is Devorah. Um, and, and a great man whose name was Barak, who we're not really sure who he is, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. And, and we're going to talk about the greatness of, 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 of the song, of singing praises to Akkadish Baruch Okay, we'll stop here. Um, the, the share has been recorded. If anybody's interested in it, uh, let me know. I will be happy to, to, uh, to um, send it to, to anyone else. We'll do it anyway. Okay, have a good night. We'll see you next Sunday, 8.15 next Sunday night. Okay, we're getting earlier this month, okay? Hey, take care. Thank right. you, Rabbi. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, thank you very much, Rabbi. You're welcome. Okay, see you tomorrow at Dav. Please, please, God. <laughs> Amen. <laughs>